All right, welcome to episode number 18 of the Dan Time Podcast. I'm your host, Dan McArdle. How are you doing before I get started? You're doing fine. I'm going to go ahead and answer that. You are doing just fine. That's the answer that we have to give. No one seems to want the long-form response anymore. Nobody's got the bandwidth for it, so you're doing okay. Uh, even if you're having a rough morning, if New Year's Eve can't get here soon enough, so you can just get to a clean new year where you haven't procrastinated or let somebody down or screwed something up, uh, listen, I do hope that whatever you're going through, big or small, that you get some enjoyment out of this show. Okay, real quick, on the socials, if you're into that, if you're on X or Instagram, I'm at DanTimePod, and uh, Facebook and YouTube is DanTimePodcast. Be sure to follow those pages. I don't load them down. You're not going to see 17 posts today, but you'll see something um, most days that might be mildly interesting. So if you uh, have a question, you can, a concern, a complaint, you can reach me at dantimepod at gmail.com. And of course, if you'd like to come on the show, please reach out to me anytime. I hope you enjoyed Danny Pike's story last week. If you missed it, please uh, dial it back after this episode. You're going to love hearing from this rising talent in the Chicago musical theater scene. Today, I am ecstatic, truly, to introduce to you award-winning Boston blues musician Danielle Moralia. Danielle won the 2021 New England Music Award for Blues Act of the Year and the 2019 Award for Female Performer of the Year. Lauren Daly of the Boston Globe wrote, Straddling the line where folk roots meets rock blues, Moralia has a voice that can go from a raspy come-hither purr to an Etta James-esque powerhouse belt, although she may be best known for her lead thumb, a heavy, thumping strike on her Gibson that's backdrop percussion in itself. As a lyricist, Danielle will satirize societal issues, and she's not afraid to call out personas, people that all of us know too well. And she writes other songs that celebrate love and longing, just some really great stuff. Her most recent solo record, Bright Shining Stars, released by Viztone, debuted at number 15 on Billboard's top U.S. blues albums. It features 11 tracks, including covers of Janis Joplin's Turtle Blues, Keb Moe's You Can Love Yourself, and two Bob Dylan cuts, Meet Me in the Morning, and You're Going to Make Me Lonesome When You Go. We go into, uh, we dive into the music on Bright Shining Stars, as well as cuts from her previous solo records, Glory Junkies, Box of Troubles, and her 2005 debut, Nothing Romantic. Danielle also reveals later in the episode her favorite song that she's ever written. Now, she also fronts the full band Danielle M. and the Glory Junkies. The music blends influences of some of Moralia's own musical heroes, the Rolling Stones, Prince, Joplin. She's joined by bandmates Lawrence Scudder, Eric White, Jim Larkin, and Chris Anzalone. 
Nate Dow of AsHeardHere.com writes, Danielle Moralia is like a musical butterfly who's been granted unlimited creative metamorphosis. You're going to love this conversation and getting to know Danielle. Be sure to visit DanielleM.com for all updates and links to her various social media pages. Find her albums and songs wherever you download music. Get a playlist going. I could say more, but you know me. I got to cut it off somewhere. So let's get to it. I know you're ready. Folks, it is Danielle Moralia time. All right. Well, it is a really, I say this a lot, special treat. I'm trying to move the word treat out of the way, but it's a real pleasure (laughs) to be talking to the one, the only, Danielle Moralia today. Danielle, first of all, thanks for making time to do this. Thanks for having me. I know you're, you've been busy out there performing with your band, the Glory Junkies, and doing solo performances. I'm sure you're always writing. Um, what's the latest? What If, if you know, someone were to ask, what are you doing right now? What are you working on? Well, now I'm trying to write for a, you know for another recording but i i have you know i have like a handful of songs and what happens is you start writing and you intend to write a certain way because you might want it to you know it's just it, you can't predict how you're going to write and what style you're going like it just happens so what's happening now is i have a handful of songs that i don't necessarily think all fit on the same album <laughs> so um so i'm d- contemplating whether to just do some some singles or you know that's what these days a lot of people are releasing singles rather than full records you know because that's how people are taking things in so you know but I still like the idea of having a cohesive piece of art that that all goes together as well you know so that's what I'm, I'm sort of struggling with right now and while also just getting busier with with uh, gigs again after uh, you know after it feels like it's been it felt it feels like we lost like a, like a big chunk of time, which we did in a way, you know. So now it's just kind of putting the pieces back together and figuring out where to go from there. As yeah. far as all this goes. When you released your last studio record, Bright Shining Stars, this was kind of in the middle of COVID, where October 2020. Yeah. And I guess you've been working on it pre-COVID, and then during that time period, what was that like to just put an album out? in those uncertain times and you're maybe not going to just rush out and perform live. Well, how was well, that it experience? was like, it was both, it was kind of, a, there, you know, there are pros and cons to it because I was lucky enough that I had finished all the recording. It, it actually was already mixed and mastered by the time everything started shutting down. So I was lucky enough that that was, that it was pretty much ready to go. So I didn't have to, you know, put it on hold for a couple of years or anything like that. But um, it was it was like so I put it out um, with Viztone label and they it was the first time I put something out where the the right stuff happened with it as far as like just getting it out to all the the people who would care or you know who would do something with it so you know it I was it was they they got it to to chart on Billboard the first week on the blues charts and it, you know they they got it to all the different you know, blues radio stations, you know, all around internationally and nationally. They got it, you know, got a lot of reviews and all that stuff. So it was like all the stuff that I've always wanted to happen with, with a recording, but then I couldn't tour with it. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I never got to really give it the attention I would have liked to. 
so that you know that part of it kind of sucked that I couldn't I couldn't do anything with it except be like wow that's cool oh cool I got another review on that oh you know it was like a little night you know thing like that so but the good thing was that while that in a time when it felt like everything was stagnant and like you know could have just kind of you know just gotten under the blankets and you know, mm -hmm. decided to just shut down for, yeah. <laughs> for, for a year or two. Would have been really um, easy to that, do. Yes, but it was like that kind of gave me a little bit of a nice little ray of hope within that time that it was like, well, this is cool. At least there's like, I feel like it looks like I'm busy right now, even though I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's things happening while I, while I'm just pretty much most of my time is being spent, you know, at home, hooking and watching movies and <laughs> figuring out what's next but yeah so it was that was that was a good thing that it came out at that time but at the same time i feel like it's never gotten you know a proper proper tour around it or anything like that so right now i'm like all right do i just pretend that it just came out and use the you know and when i when i travel and play gigs now do i just treat it like this is a new almost like it's a new release or do i just move on to the next thing you know so that's that's the conflict at the moment I think, uh, without sounding trite, that it's a, it's a great album, and thank you for the release date being a few years ago. Like you said, a lot of people haven't heard these songs yet. You haven't been able to reach, uh, well, you can never reach everybody, but, um, but you're, I mean, you're paying homage to some, just some legends here and some some people that have been very important, and influential to you, Bob Dylan, Melvin London. Robert Johnson. I mean, these are songs that, you know, people still would be craving this type of music or these songs live. I guess while you're writing, you can maybe not feel rushed to just put out. Yeah. How I was going to ask about like what you were saying at the top of having a batch of songs and you're not sure if they all fit in one bucket for for the same album. Things are kind of moving in the direction, I'll agree, with uh, releasing singles versus the full-length albums. Mm -hmm. So are you starting to think, well, maybe I'll just focus on maybe the three or four best ones here and put out some singles and then maybe turn around and uh, pop out an EP? Yeah, yeah, that's, that might be the route that it goes. I guess it's like, I, I, I usually, when I put out releases, it usually has sort of a mix of everything that I've been doing over whatever the course of time is between albums. And it's a, it's a little bit of, I have like a little bit of a inner conflict of like, so I'm, this tone is a blues label, you know, so that's like who I've been, I've been working with them. I worked with them on this last album. I'd love to put something out with them next. Everything I'm writing is like not really blues right now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like what you're, it's like what the, I don't know what it is. It's something psychological in me that like I might, my, my my creativity rebels against whatever is going to be best for me in the moment. <laughs> Whatever's going to actually work for me at the time is like the creatively I'm I, like, I always just start naturally going in a different direction, which is, you know, probably my biggest setback. But um, yeah. So a lot of what I'm writing right now is like, it's more, it probably falls more into like a folk category, which I sort of straddle both the blues and the folk anyway, but, and just, and then like I wrote a rock song and I wrote, so it's like everything's all over the place, you know, which is fine. I, I prefer to have some variety, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, so what do I do with this? You know, so that's, that's the challenge of that. But, yeah, but to... in the meantime, most of the shows that I do are either blues or folk based. And so it's like, I, you know, I have my 
band Glory Junkies. That's like kind of almost like rootsy rock blues, kind of a, a mix of things. I play with Peter Parchek, who is an incredible blues rock guitar player. Just, I mean, just virtuoso. And we do a project together, which is leans blues or blues rock. And, um, and so we kind of, those, those songs work with, with that project. And then, you know, and then I do my solo thing, which is kind of a folk blues thing with some singer songwriter stuff in there. Yeah, I had in my notes that you've, I feel like you've always given yourself the freedom to sort of um, go back and forth between folk and roots and blues, maybe some rock in the mix, and to not just stay in yeah. that, one, that one department. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all been an influence, all, all of it over time. It's like, I, you know, I've honestly always been, since for as early as I can remember, you know, from my earliest memories, I've been a fan of various popular music in different genres, you know, and so it's all in there. It's all part of the influence. Anything from, you know, when I was a kid, I grew, you know, I grew up in the 80s and it was like, it was like the R&B groups of the time. It was New Edition and Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam and obviously uh-huh. Pr- Prince has been, you know, he's a whole other genre in himself, but I've been, a, you know, Prince is my favorite of all time, you know, and then it's like getting into, then I had my, you know, when I got started playing guitar, it was, it was like mostly like glam metal of the time, oh, <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff. And then, and then getting in, then like what influenced that? Well, classic rock is what led to that. All right. What's, so then it was like classic rock. And that was like, to me, that's kind of the golden period of popular music, you know, um, the, you know, the stones are my favorite my other favorite band of all time, Janis Joplin, Hendrix, all that stuff. And then it's like, all right, what influenced that? The blues. That's when you get to the blues. And it's like, ah, okay, this is the real stuff right here. <laughs> you know, can... so you dig deeper and deeper and you keep finding what influenced what. It all leads to the blues. Oh, yeah. You know? I can see where some of your um, your primary influences have helped mold your style. And I encourage my listeners, obviously, to download Daniel's music, Bright Shining Stars. These are just some of the solo records. Glory Junkies from 2015, Box of Troubles, and Nothing Romantic, the debut. But also go to her website or go on YouTube because you're not really going to get the full picture until you see Danielle live. And what I was getting at here is I really enjoy the uh, percussion that you build into your one-player sound, like the foot stomping and the way you strum the Gibson, and just that, uh, I'm not describing it well enough, but where you, where you hit the strings and you're just going for that, that uh, downbeat. Yeah. Are you, uh, Thank you, I couldn't tell exactly, but are you going no pick, or do you do a hybrid, uh, use a thumb pick? That's, I mostly play with no pick. Um, there's like one or two songs that I use a thumb pick for, but I, it's pretty much, that sound is pretty much just fingers on strings, fingers to strings directly. And, um, you know, people do it all different ways. You listen to to Mississippi John Hurt or Big Bill Brunzi or or some of the, the later guys, you know, Leo Kotke or, you know, these everybody kind of has, if you watch them play, everybody has a different technique and they all have a different feel. Chris Smither is a, you know, contemporary, more contemporary guy or Kev Moe, like those guys, everybody has, they all have a different approach, you know. And, uh, and and honestly, it's not even just about approach so much as like what's in the soul and how it's coming out, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. So right. I I I 
teach guitar as well. And I always just say like when, when people are like, Oh, I want to learn how to play. I want to learn how to pick like that. You know, I'm like, well, really it's like, you can, you start with technique, but then it's like, then you just find your own feel. You know, I, I, I learned it by, I, I, honestly, I learned it by not totally learning it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So, you know, I was, I heard somebody playing that style. My, actually my friend, Michael Troy, who's, who's since passed away and he was an amazing songwriter and just, just a beautiful human being. And I remember him telling me, you got to listen to Mississippi John Hurt to get that style. He was, and he was more of a folk player and did it like sort of in the style of um, like Dave Van Ronk or that, like, that, so it's it's who was also influenced by Reverend Gary Davis and Mississippi John Hurt and the blues the blues players. So that there was that sort of God. I'm not like a folklorist where I have I don't have or I don't have like all the <laughs> all the details in the years. But I you know there was such a there's probably there's will inevitably be some expert folk scare of the '60s uh, nerd out there who's going to say you have it wrong or whatever. But <laughs> there was this. There was this blend of there was this huge influence that 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 blues had on folk back in the '60s when all those guys were playing in the clubs in New York City and all that. So uh, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. <laughs> the point is, my my good friend Michael Troy had said because I said, "How do you do that? How do you play like that?" He said, "Just listen to Mississippi John Hurt and learn that stuff." And so I did that. I also took lessons from Jeff Bartley, who is a beautiful picker, just absolutely great songwriter picker. He's someone to check out as well. And um, I, so I took some direct lessons with him. And then I also learned out of this, this uh, transcription book uh, that Stefan Grossman put out of all the Mississippi, a bunch of Mississippi John Hurt tunes. So I would go to that book and I would learn, I would learn the stuff. And I honestly have like, I have a, I'm not a disciplined learner. <laughs> so the truth is I would learn it, but then I'd be like, Oh, I'd get like, I'd go off on like a tangent, like I'm probably doing in the conversation right now. And I'd go, oh, why don't I, oh. And then I'd start writing a song with like something I pulled from <laughs> one of those songs. And, and it, you know, and then it would turn into something else. And then I just started like finding my own way to do it, like just picking it a different way. So I got my, you know, I love, I love funk and R&B and that kind of stuff too. Not that I think the way I play is like anything like funk, but I, it's like, I like like a backbeat. Like I like that, like, so when I was picking, when I was using the thumb to kind of go back and forth on, you know, the E string and the, the D string, I would be, I would like really dig into that D string. And I started to get, that started becoming my style. Like just like, it's like a, right. almost like a slap bass or something. It's like, and yes. so that became my thing. So I'm like an aggressive player. I'm not necessarily a finesse player. Like someone like Chris Smither is just, it's so smooth. You listen to him and it's just, it's, it's like, Oh, it's like <laughs> liquid. Yes. It's, it's beautiful. Um, and Mississippi John Hurt has a little bit of both going on in his playing. Um, but anyway, and yeah, they and also just like the technique, whether you use all three of your fingers or just one or two is I use all three, but and then the thumb. But anyway, that's really getting into the weeds of it. But <laughs> yeah, what I was uh, wanting to say, if if people listen to the the latest record or listen to the Glory Junkies. Um, full band album make sure you pair it with the videos because um, Danielle you really have a unique style it doesn't look like you're trying to um, be like somebody else I mean it it really looks like you've carved out something that's all your own with like you said 
your influences in mind, but it's not just one. You're, you're not trying to be just like Lucinda Williams or Janis Joplin. What usually comes first when you're writing? Is it uh, do you have a do you have lyrics in mind, and then you pair it with what you've already been writing on on it, guitar? It honestly just varies, you know. Like sometimes I'm just sitting there playing something on guitar. Like I'll come up with a guitar piece, and then I put lyrics to it. Sometimes I'm driving or doing something and a lyric comes to mind or an idea for a song comes to mind. I usually just make like a voice memo of that. And of course I have like thousands of voice memos of things that never became anything. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go back and go, I'm like, I could write albums worth of songs with these as song prompts. If I had like a little more, if I wasn't, you know, if I was a little more disciplined, I would yeah. go back and be like, this is going to be my goal. I'm going to go to each of these voice memos and write a song based on of course, that doesn't happen, but yeah. I really like in your songs, in your lyrics, some of the social commentary. There's not really any places that you're afraid to go. Um, you touch on some some subjects that are maybe a little sensitive in, uh, let me go back to it here, Glory Junkies. I really like this song. There's, I have an album called Glory Junkies, and then I have an album with my band, The Glory Junkies. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you're talking about the 2015 one is the, the album called Glory Junkies. If people wanted to find the band Glory Junkies, it's Danielle M and the Glory Junkies. That's how you would look it up, and that's all called All My Heroes oh, and Ghosts. What? I'm way off. This is actually from Nothing Romantic that jumped out at me. It's You Don't Know Nothing. We're at the bar talking oh. to the Vietnam vet, and then uh, yes. I love the twist and turn of that story. And uh, Thank you. And then that songwriting continues on the other albums, too. I guess— Well, that well, one— Yeah, I should probably ahead, say, sorry. being at that age in your first album, did you have any— you probably weren't. Were you hesitant about releasing anything or like, oh, I should probably rewrite this line? No, I think I was more bold then than I am even now, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I kind of didn't care. I was like, I, you know, I got like, I don't know. I, you know, when you're younger, you're, you don't, you're like, you think you're right about everything. So, but that song is really about, you know, everybody thinking they're right, but not, you know, it's, it's, that, that was, that was inspired by, a true thing that happened or like it wasn't, you know, obviously you take liberties when writing the song. So it crafts into like something that's coherent and sounds like a story. But I, I used to play back then. So that came out in 2005. That's almost 20 years old. That's insane. But I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it. So I was around that time when I was playing tons of bars, like that was my, that was my main thing I was doing was, and I never did like top 40 covers and bars, but I did, you know, I did like some classic rock tunes and I'd throw originals in there. I'd play bars where like, for the most part, the owners or whoever's booking, it would let you just kind of do what you want or whatever. So I could try out songs and it kind of helped me cut my teeth and get, become a better player because I could try new stuff out when nobody was really listening. And that was I, I like I actually overheard a conversation of about overheard a conversation with like a guy saying something about he was like he doesn't know what he's talking about I was in Vietnam you know like like overheard a conversation about this and and so that stuck with me and then at the time you could have conversations with people you disagreed with <laughs> yep right <laughs> politically and it was like it was a heated time politically. You know, it was like the, the Iraq war and Bush and all that, you know, it was, there was a lot going on. And, you know, I mean, I'm a singer songwriter. I'm, you know, I'm a left, you know, I lean left. That's, that's, that's what we do for the most part. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but 
you could have a conversation with somebody who, you know, I, it wasn't like, oh, I hate your guts now because you're, you know, you support Bush. I might be like, you're, I think you're wrong, but you know, whatever. Like, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't this, like, it was, didn't make or break you to the point where you were not going to be able to like, and it wasn't social media. So you could, you'd actually be having these conversations face to face. It wasn't and so you, ugly just yet. I remember that the Bush carry election, it was starting to get there, but you, like you said, if you're out at a bar, you could finish the conversation yeah. with the left wing guy or the right wing guy and get on with it. But a little different now. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't so and it wasn't so cuckoo crazy, like in both directions or whatever. It was just it was like you could. Yeah, you could have a conversation. There's also something to even, you know, even now, if you're like actually looking somebody in the eyes and you're talking with them, you're not going to start calling them horrible names like you would on. <laughs> When you're yeah. on social media, when you're on Facebook, I went through a phase where I was, I would, I would argue with people on social media. And now I just, I do not, I do not do it on, on like Facebook. I, I only use it to promote shows and that's it pretty much, you know, and I probably don't come up in people's algorithms as much because I'm, I'm only saying, Hey, I'm playing here, but <laughs> I don't yeah. care. It's like, I can't take it mentally and in, in, in my soul. Like I can't, you know, I'm not going to post something and then have to sit here with a a pit in my stomach going, Oh, what are people saying? Or were they commenting? Ugh, uh, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Cause you're not changing anybody's mind. So yeah, every, anyway, everybody that's what was written when you could talk. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> I was going to say everybody listening here, if you're still jumping into the comment sections of hotbed topics on X, get to get out of there. It's, oh, you're not going to convince anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Spend your energy trying to convince your sister, your brother, your best friend. Yeah. Do not waste. Yeah, you're, just, <laughs> you're jumping into a dumpster, you know. Yeah. And, and it's and you just you're gonna come out feeling gross. It's just the way it is. It's un unfortunate because you you'd like for it to be a place to have actual good like good discourse, but it's like it's just gone off the deep end. It's really, oof. Um. Another, yeah. Now the title track, I guess you call it on Glory Junkies. Uh, glory junkie, I you had me rolling on this one. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm I'm a few years late hearing it because I know this was released uh 2015, but still relevant today. I I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but it's and you must have been cracking up when the, when the full chorus came to you of, uh, look at you, and then <laughs> I know you do or what? How does it go? Um. Uh, look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Like when you finally <laughs> think, put it together, you must have been uh, chuckling a little bit. Yeah, um, that that I think that one happened pretty quickly. I, you know, it was, and that that ended up being like the the t obviously the the title track, and then it became the name of the band because I was like, that's actually a good name for a band. Um, but the yeah, that was you know that that album came out when social media was becoming a big when it was just starting to grow and people were starting to be on there all the time and it's funny it's like when you are a performer you are a glory junkie you know that's why you <laughs> yeah if we didn't want people to watch and listen to us do this we wouldn't you know we would just play at home and and just write for ourselves and we would you know but we do feel like we want that energy back and we want that feedback performing is it's like its own thing you know there's the it, the healthy ego that's a real thing it's good. yeah it's okay it's, to have I mean, a healthy it, ego you have to have some to in order to even want to perform and whether you you know you could argue whether that's a healthy thing or or gross or whatever i don't <laughs> i you know but <laughs> right um but with social media 
it's become an epidemic where like it's pretty much how it's like everybody needs that attention because you, you've got a little taste of it whether it's like it could just be that you know it doesn't matter if you're a performer or not you might just be like i want attention for this this funny thing i thought of or i want this so everybody does it now it's not just like oh i want to do this because i want to be a performer i want to do this or that so it's really become just the way of the world from yeah. that point and since then where we're just like I need you to give me attention. It might just be like, I'm feeling sad today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> please post pictures of your cat. You know, whatever it is. Um, you know, cheer me up. And you know, I mean, really, everybody's. We're just trying to get by. We're just trying to figure out. Everybody's just doing their best. So you know, I, it's not a criticism of that. I think it's just for some people that is um, that is a way to to feel better. Is like I'm just going to post this and hopefully get some affirmation and but it's um it has become so that that song was like in a way i was thinking about all that just the selfies and the look at you look at you or just the idea of being around somebody who had who sucks all the air out of the room you know <laughs> yes there's uh we're dan again i i have some lyrics written down for other songs but uh dancing in your rain you're i mean you're working up such a sweat um uh, telling us oh, the you're story <laughs> Yeah, yeah. becoming smaller and smaller. Sweat. It's but, been a while since I played that one because I I forgot how to play it. But it's uh yeah, it's something like you're working up a sweat, we're dancing in your rain, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just heard that, and everybody knows somebody in their life who's still there or used to be there who's that way. Where, hey, let's go out for drinks. Let's go out for dinner. Great, I'll see you at seven. And you go and you sit and you just sit and say, uh huh, yep. uh huh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. And then, oh, it was so great to see you. And you give each other a hug and you go on your way and you think, well, <laughs> yeah. Was, um, but anyway, th and there's another track on there I want to move along to, but Heat of the Wind, I just, well, I'm a huge baseball fan, but I like the concept in general of uh, pointing out how so many times in life you can be so close to the, the end of the rainbow or to that promotion that you're looking for or whatever it is, you can almost touch it and then it's yeah. snatched away from you. Yeah. Was that a true yep. story about your dad going through that experience? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah, he was a waiter his whole life and, um, you know, he just, he, I mean, now he's retired, he's happy, you know, but, but, uh, but he always like would just talk about how much he hated the job and then, you know, he just never got a chance to really try something else. And I think it was just more like a fear or whatever it was, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think that happens to a lot of people where they just end up stuck in a, a job they hate forever or whatever it is. So, yeah. And then just the whole Bill Buckner thing. I just think, I always thought that was fascinating that someone could become sort of a, you know, a villain, like considered, you know, oh, a villain yeah. of an area just because of one mistake that they made or whatever, you know. And then that redemption of him throwing out the first pitch after the Sox had had actually won. I mean, the yeah. the, the the sports. I'm not really I'm not really into sports, but um, I think I I hate when people tell me that a song was based off of a prompt because it, it to me sometimes that takes the <laughs> 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 it makes it sound like it was mechanical, but it really wasn't. But the, somebody said write a song about your favorite sports hero and I said like I'm not a sports fan but I was like Bill Buckner he's like he's like the he was considered sort of the loser of the Boston area for many years yeah. you know or like the 
the one who and I, I find that fascinating and for that reason he's like kind of my favorite and uh and so I I because I do remember when that happened when I was a kid and it was like so you know I don't you know I don't know how much you know about the just Boston sports yeah. in general but the fans here are, are rabid they're just like you know, you could be at a you could be at the theater and somebody's yelling Yankees suck here. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> they're just was, so, you know, right there because I'm not a, uh, do not like the Yankees. So when they were going head to head with the Red Sox in the early 2000s, I was always rooting for the Red Sox. And then they finally yeah. pulled it off and whatever, 2004. Uh, yeah, that was really exciting. Um, there's a line. I, I think this ties in a little bit, kind of like re- what you're describing with your dad or, or uh, anybody that's in a situation that they're not really happy about and they're dreaming of a way out, you kind of have to get out of that idea phase or that daydream phase and write it down. But there was an old interview. I tried to do some research here, but you said um, if you're unhappy in a situation, change that situation, do something else if there's any way possible. Don't Basically, don't waste your life being miserable. It's yeah. often easier said than done. Some people have some some more resources at their disposal. Um, For sure. They know how to use the Internet versus there's a lot of people that are um, underserved and underprivileged or, or, or however you describe it that or they just got out of jail and they just don't they can't go quickly uh, get on Indeed and fill out a resume and start doing stuff that a lot of us do. Um, yeah. But there are, I, I do believe in getting out a piece of paper or getting out your phone and taking notes and like put it in writing of things that you want to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. And keep looking. And, at and it. The, the truth is, like, whatever, I think I know the interview. It was probably from, I was probably, you know, 22 or something when I, when I was saying, you know, I, yeah. I probably was coming from a privileged place thinking, like, well, if you don't like it, just change it, man. You know, I think I was yeah. in that <laughs> headspace at the time. You know, well, you don't know. You don't know when you're young. You know, you're just like, what do you mean? Just do this. It's easy. You know, like, so I like, you know, I understand now that uh, that's not the easiest thing for everybody, whether it's that, you know, you don't have the financial means or it's just some people just simply don't have. It's just there's something in them that just is like a deep fear and you just don't have that whatever the tool is to 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 do it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the tool to do everything that the tools to do everything that I want to do, the mental tools, <laughs> you know? Yes. So sometimes, you know, I, I'm guilty of it to just be like, well, let's just, um, especially since the pandemic, I think it really made everybody slow down by force. And a lot of people decided, oh, I don't need to be working as hard as I was before, right. for better or for worse. It kind of <laughs> got a lot of people out of that frenetic pace uh, day yeah. to day. It just kind of slowed all of your processes down. You don't have to rush to get out of the house anymore to catch the train or just get on the highway and just yeah just hurry to get to the office or whatever you got to be just even just how many people are working from home now even that alone it's like oh we don't have to we could do this from home we have the means to do this from home now you know right Uh, danielle there was uh i want to touch every album maybe i will but box of troubles a couple songs here and then you continue to do this um in some other songs as well where i feel like you're trying to inspire whoever's listening i mean they kind of have to read into it a little bit but the song home on box mm-hmm. of troubles i don't know if you perform this live as much i actually just started playing that live again a lot recently but i had 
put it down for a while. There's a lyric here. Some devils get their wings. Some angels fall. The rest of us roam. I might be off. I read into that that life is not always fair. And you can't look at everyone's mm-hmm. situation and say, oh, look at that guy. It looks like nothing ever happens to him. Look at her. She's um, got a new car, a nice purse. What's Everything must be going great. Yeah. Is that and then also glimmer of gold, which um, you kind of mentioned the title track there. You rise from the rubble and your box of troubles. There's always a glimmer of gold, and that's to me that says press on, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that one, I that was like that was inspired by um, a winter solstice card that a friend sent me. <laughs> it sounds so. It sounds a little like foofy to say that, but but she. Uh, a good friend of mine, Nancy Scott, who's incredibly thoughtful and just sends really sweet gifts on birthdays and is always thinking of everybody. And anyway, she sent a, a winter solstice card and the winter solstice card explained what winter solstice was, which I never, I didn't know up until that point that it's the, it's actually the shortest day of the year. And then the days get longer after that. Oh, so yeah. you're in the dead of winter and it's the coldest it can be, you know, usually maybe not as much now, but <laughs> not a lot uh, of daylight. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the dark, it's the darkest time. It's the, and, but now, you know, it, the one thing you can keep in mind is that now the days are going to start getting longer. So it's like, it's that glimmer, glimmer of gold, that kind of that little ray of hope when you're in your darkest time. So that was, that's what inspired that. And, on and the, then the, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. I was going ahead to uh, bright shining stars. I have a, a couple points in this one, but it, did you have something okay, you want so to say on home? Let me, well, let me say about bright shining stars. My husband wrote that song. I knew there was a story here. Like you had, yeah, <laughs> he he was going through something, and I don't want to um, speak out of turn here, but it, it was a difficult time period, and you were trying to hide the project from him and not. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's no there's. Uh, I could talk about it. So well. My husband had he had a stroke in 2019. Okay, mm-hmm. he he's he's doing well now. He's knocking on the wood and all that right now. But uh, um, <laughs> he's doing he's doing well. But at the time, it was a really grueling thing. He was in a coma for nine days because they he got pneumonia. While like when they put him when they when they intubated him, they gave him staph infection and he had they so he had pneumonia and they were they had to keep him under for you know while the lungs cleared up. It was a whole it was it was the most terrible you know, time ever. And I feel really lucky and, and that, that he's here and, you know, um, but in the meantime, he was, he was, uh, he was not far from his 50th birthday at that point. And, you know, so he, he, the next year, you know, we, after that happened, it was, that was like early 2019, he was in the healing process and a, a fan of his band, his band is the Baker Thomas band. Uh, a friend and fan of his band decided to put together a surprise compilation for his birthday, for his 50th birthday of all, a bunch of people in the, the music scene here covering his songs. And so my, and my husband is a pillar of the scene here. He, he, he has been, he's been, we met because he was hosting an open mic back in late nineties, 98. And he's always, he's always been, he's a great musician, great songwriter, great bass player but also has always been somebody who facilitates the community and the scene around here. And for the last uh, almost 10 years, he's been running a music series out of the Burren in Davis Square in Somerville, Mass. Anyway, 
so he's beloved in the scene here. So a bunch of musicians did covers of his songs and we made a compilation and I, and obviously I was going to do one. So I had to tell him, I, I had to tell him why I was going into the studio. It was a surprise. So I had, I, <laughs> so I said, Oh, I'm going over to Dave Westner's Dave who, who recorded it. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe making like an acoustic album of just a bunch of mostly covers I've been doing over the years, which is something he had suggested to me a while before that, like, you should just, you should do a covers album of all these. So I was like, I think I'm going to go and, and do it. So I had to like, I had to make it true because I'm a bad liar. <laughs> so basically I went in and recorded a song and then I recorded a bunch of other songs and then I made it a project and we made it an album. But, um, and I didn't know I was going to put bright shining stars on it at the time. But then when the album was starting to come together, I'm like, I'm going to put this on it and it's going to be the title track. <laughs> because I also felt like I needed the, I know that, you know, you, you've clearly done a lot of research and I really appreciate it. So, you know, but you could, you might be able to see a pattern in like the albums that have mostly like a little bit of a negative twist to the title, you know, nothing romantic, Glimmer of Gold is, is that's not the name of that album, right? Uh, so, I think uh, it's Box just, of Troubles and Box uh, of Troubles, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, Glory they all have junkies. like a little bit of a they're all a little cynical. You know what I mean? Everything mm -hmm. has a little bit of a cynicism to them. And I'm like, this one's gonna be called Bright Shining Stars. <laughs> Freaking bright shining. This is gonna be like, I'm gonna call this something really positive. Cause I felt like this is I need this right now. I need positivity. <laughs> I think the world needs positivity right now. Yes. And so it was just like it just it clicked. It was like, this is what we're going to call it. Bright shining stars, but it's a beautiful song. And, and anyway, I, you had a question about the song itself and I went off on another tangent. I hope I'm not over. Oh no, no, this is quite all right. I was going to okay. mention uh, first the, the, the track that you wrote, you can love yourself. Oh, I didn't write that. That's a Kevmo tune. Oh man. I wish I wrote that. I'm sorry. That's Kevmo. I love that tune. Yeah. Yeah. I like the theme there. I think it's important, again, me speaking to the listeners, that because, you know, Danielle, whoever you are, if you're uh, someone's a fan of your music, if they're anybody out there, me included, you might feel like you just made your best friend mad about something and you wish you could take it back. You feel like you screwed mm -hmm. up at work last week and you got to figure out a way out of it. Or you did something really bad and everyone's turned their back on you. Yeah. <laughs> whatever but uh, there's still a chance for it, it's it's hard to get there if you're feeling that low to love yourself but folks it does start mm -hmm. i think it does start with you if you treat yourself well try to dress yourself well that was one thing i about 10 or 12 or more years ago i was going through a rough period of time and the first thing that i thought to do was all right i'm gonna overdress every day <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to do it because I want to look in the mirror and I'm shaving and I'm, you know, buttoning the shirt. I'm like, I'm just going to dress even dressier than I usually do. So I can feel like I at least what, what was it that Chris Cornell, I mean, it's one of his big songs with Soundgarden, uh, feeling Minnesota or looking California, feeling <laughs> Minnesota and <laughs> yeah. out, outshined. That's kind of how it was. Yeah, yeah. Start with something small. If you're going through a period like that, where you're just beating yourself up and you've, feel like the that's bad a great guy. i love that i love that did it work did it did you feel like that, it helped yeah that helped me little by little it kind of helped me get through the days um yeah uh, but yeah if you start with something small because it can just you can just feel like nothing you know you're just you're just down on the ground or like like i think the lyric says like dust on an empty shelf 
You can mm -hmm. get to some low yeah. places, but um, yeah, I love that he made it like it has humor in it too, and it's sort of got a little bit of double entendre, and it's just and he when you you know he's such a great performer too. Uh, Kevmo is one of my favorites. He's such a great live performer, and yeah. it's just got this kind of good you know it's just got a fun spirit to it. I love that tune. Yeah, but the song "Bright Shining Stars," the title track, uh, your husband wrote the lyrics. Is that right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, the whole thing, but it's like the world needs goodness to be grown. How true yeah. is that today? Going back to the early part of our conversation here, the world needs yeah. goodness to be grown. Let's give a shining star a new home. I also like how he comes out at the start here. A lot of people can relate to this. Even though I offered up, I, I never offered up much of a plan. <laughs> you basically yeah. still took my hand and, and decided to do this with me. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But, just yeah, beautiful it's a beautiful song. Here. Yeah, he's he's uh yeah, he he's really he's a great writer. But and he writes these like amazing arrangements and and uh I would cover more of his songs if I if I was better at memorizing chord progressions. <laughs> he writes these epic tunes with like these amazing chord progressions. Even that one I'm like I still need a cheat sheet if I play that one live. <laughs> yeah, some of these songs you've got uh You've got other players in the mix. There's some harmonica. I, I don't know all the musicians on, on every track, but anybody you want to recognize on? Yeah, it's essentially, I mean, it's mostly solo. And then I just got a little help from from some friends. Like, uh, you know, I think Lawrence, my friend Lawrence Scudder and bandmate, who's my Glory Junkies bandmate and my friend, and I've collaborated for years. We've, we've played together for many years. Um, he played viola on a couple of tracks. Um, Peter Parchek, who was another collaborator of mine who I was talking about earlier, who I do a project with, he's he's on a couple of tracks. And then uh, and then Rosie Rosenblatt, who's the he, his he's Vistone is his label. So I had he's on uh, the, the Meet Me in the Morning track. He's playing harmonica on that. And so I had like a little bit of help. I, I did a couple of the I did like I think I did one of the leads myself, which was on Turtle Blues. And it's funny because in the uh, some of the reviews, people are like, we really enjoyed Peter Parchek's understated playing on Turtle Blues. <laughs> 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 and I'm, like, I'm like, that's not his understated playing. That's my simplified playing. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> if, you mistake, if you were able to mistake me even for a second for Peter Parchek, I am really, really happy. But <laughs> yeah. now, Just shows me perspective, you know. <laughs> Danielle, I noticed watching some of the videos, you've got an old beat-up Gibson. Um, it, it looks like you have a few of them. Do you take one or more out on the road with you when you go to perform? I, I always have two. I always have one that's tuned to standard and one that's tuned to open D. My LGO is the old, like the 67, and it's that's the one that's like, yeah, that's a magical guitar. I use that. I usually have it in open D, so I use that for any slide tunes. Do you and have... that guitar I have whether I'm playing an electric gig or an acoustic gig, because it sounds beautiful, just plugged in direct. It sounds really cool and badass through, through, a, um, through a, a, an amp, even with a band, you know? So that's like my versatile, you know, can do anything guitar. And then I play a, I have a newer, well, I, I had my J45 was my main Gibson guitar for years. And then it just, it got to where it was hurting my back because it's such a big guitar. So I uh, I have this double O that I use now for the standard tuning stuff and I love it. And then I use I use mostly a Fender, a Fender Telecaster for my electric gigs. Well, and 
the Glory Junkies album that was released in 2017, All My Heroes Are Ghosts. We haven't quite touched on this. Probably won't go too deep here, but that second track, All on Fire, I love that. It kind of... Oh, thank you. It's it's an up-tempo song. It's kind of like, oh, wow, when that one really kicks in. It's like, okay, here's some... You know, it really shows your versatility. How fun do you... Or how much fun is it going out there and playing with the guys? Do you have to get into a different mindset? Do you keep the same routines before those performances? It's different. It's it's like, it's two very different things because when you're playing solo, you're really, it's about, it's always about connecting with the audience, but even more so solo because it's you and them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a little bit, I feel a little more of a connection with the audience when I'm playing solo because I have that, like I say, it's just, it's like you with them. Whereas, but with the band, you've got that energy amongst each other. So you're rocking together. You're kind of doing, you know, and I love it. It's so much fun. To me, like that's, I don't know. I love playing solo because I just love playing acoustic and I love stomping and do, I like, I love getting in that zone. That's probably my, my biggest comfort zone is, is the solo thing. Cause I did that from, for years before I had like a regular band, but it's, there's nothing like just having that collaboration with other people and, and also just the hang. Like to me, it's just so what I missed the most during the pandemic was hanging out in the green room. It wasn't even the actual playing part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like, I missed my friends. I missed like yes. just getting to just, you know, just goof off. There's just, you just have this like chemistry this with, with your bandmates. They're like your, your siblings, you know what I mean? You just, you're able to just kind of all the banter. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, there's something really cool about that, that I, I, you know, I missed it a lot when I didn't have that. So yeah, I love it both, but I, I do really enjoy that connection. Yeah. You have some shows coming up on uh, the first one after this episode to be on the 16th with, uh, Jen yeah. Kearney. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. That's my, uh, that's my monthly residency at the porch, which actually this is the last one for a couple of months, but, um, the porch in Medford, Mass, which is um, that's like a, a brunch gig that I that I do there um, with different friends. I call it lunch with friends. So I have a different friend each month. The other one, the next the next one after that is with Peter Parchek. That's uh, the project I do with him, and we'll be at the Fallout Shelter in Norwood, Mass. And then I saw um, in January after the first of the year, you're actually traveling to do a show in North Carolina and Maryland. Yeah. So the reason, so I'm doing I'm. I'm doing the blue, the, the international blues challenge, which is in Memphis. And I, I, so it, it's happened every year for many years and I've never gone down there. I, 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 but, uh, but this year I, I went and did the, the Boston blues challenge. I won the Boston blues challenge. I, first of all, I'll preface it by saying I always hated contests and I, I kind of wrote off, I was like, I'm never doing any contests again for <laughs> like at some point I said, I'm not answering any contests. Stupid. I hate contests. But I was just, I don't know, I just on a whim said, I'm going to just, I want to, I would love to just, you know, I feel a little out of the loop. I'd love to just jump in and, and just go down there, even if it's just for the hang and for, you know, seeing everybody. And and it ended up being really fun. And even if I hadn't won, it would have been really fun. It was just, it was, it was a good time. And, and so now they said, now I, now I have to go down to Memphis and do the International Blues Challenge. So I decided to try to tour down it's all last minute so right now i have one gig on the way down and one gig on the way back up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at a house concert in midland north carolina north carolina and then um 49 west in annapolis maryland on the way back up so hopefully some a few more things will come together 
Well, I think I've got some, I definitely have some listeners in the mid-Atlantic state. So um, awesome! If, if you guys are listening to this episode, please go out and make plans. You've got some time, hopefully got some money left after, after Christmas to go out and hear Danielle perform. Danielle, I usually wrap up with a few just random questions. Well, some of them are, are written down. Some of them just come up, just come to me as we're talking. You got about five minutes for a few more questions? Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, I know Prince is a huge influence of yours. My first, when I was about, I'd say sixth grade, whatever that is, 11, 12 years old, I was buying cassettes. I wasn't quite mm-hmm. to CDs yet. So the first Prince cassette I got was, um, it was Prince, the new power generation. What was the one he put out in 91? It Diamonds was, and Pearls? Diamonds and Pearls, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, how do you like, do you like that era of Prince, the early nineties? I like it all. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I have a preference to the revolution to like the, um, you know, to 1999 purple rain. Actually my favorite of his is sign of the times, which was the last one he did with the revolution. But, um, but I love new power generation too. I mean, that, that's a great album. That's got cream. It's got get off. It's got, I love that album. That's it. <laughs> and then he did the symbol album. After yeah. that, just before he changed his name, I never listened and to the the symbol period. Are there yeah. some are there some good deep cuts there? I never heard That's, a lot about that. Well, th- I think that the so the symbol album, the album that was just named the symbol, that was like before he actually changed his name to that, is with New Power Generation, and it was I think it was the next one after Diamonds and Pearls, um, and and that has uh, the song Seven on it. It's got. Um, I don't know if that that was like the number one hit on there. I feel like there was one other one, but I can't. I'm drawing a blank right now. But that that was that's a great album, and that's just before he changed his name to to the symbol. In fact, the first track on that is "My Name Is Prince." <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> my name is Prince, and I'm funky. Um, that also has. I don't know if you could swear on this, so I'll just say it has sexy MF. Yeah, we can uh, push the boundaries, go right up to the edge, is what I say. Yeah. <laughs> um, everybody knows the the saying, don't meet your heroes. I don't have a question about someone you met that you're like, oh, that was a letdown. Have you met someone that that has inspired you and you thought, well, this would be cool. And then you meet him and you're like, okay, he was really awesome. Or she was really just exceeded my expectations. Um. Well, so in general, every time I've met, somebody I'm a fan of, I, I've walked away unsatisfied, but not because of any issue that, not because of anything that they've done, (laughs) mostly because of the way I acted in the situation. (laughs) Like I got to meet Bonnie Raitt and she was, she couldn't have been nice. She was very nice, but I, like, I was just like, Oh, your music is not so much. Like, I just like blabbed. I just like, you know, a bunch of words just kind of fell out of my face gushing and i i don't i wasn't really satisfied with the encounter but it, but she was really nice so it wasn't her fault it was like me just feeling like oh man i'm an idiot you know um the best the best that i ever the best i ever experienced was meeting joe cocker <laughs> oh cool and he was just so nice and it was and i only met him because my friend kevin so had opened for him at uh the beacon theater in new york and i went with him and after the show uh, Joe came up to, to Kevin's uh, dressing room. Like there were a bunch of people hanging out there and he came up and he was just really nice. I mean, it was not like, oh, we bonded and we had this great, like it, well, we, it was just 
for some reason, I thought that he probably had, in my mind, I was like, he just seemed like he had this reputation. There's something about his vibe that I thought he would be a little like edgy or something. Like I didn't think mm-hmm. he would be so nice. He was so nice. He was so, so nice. And he was, then he was like, just in, in passing talking about, well, we did Woodstock. Da, 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 da. And I was like, I'm like, I'm sitting here in front of Joe Cocker and he's talking about Woodstock. And then he was so nice, and he like gave me a kiss on the cheek goodbye, and he it was just—he <laughs> was so sweet. Never so that saw was it like coming. a satisfying encounter, you know. And I—I I probably didn't say much at all, you know, which was probably why it was more satisfying. <laughs> That's a cool story, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was fun, but Do yeah, you... I haven't really met anybody that I was like, ah, oh, they—they were jerks or whatever. <laughs> I haven't met that many people that are famous, but <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite song from your first record or even a track that you wrote around that time period or even a couple years before that you never released, never recorded, never played live? Um, do you have some songs that are kind of, you know, in the vault, in the shadows that you're very still pleased with all these years later? Something that's, you mean like something from the first album or something in the... I guess what... it might be two-part. I guess which... What would be your favorite song from the first album? And then uh, is there an unreleased song that's very special to you that you're like, look, it's just, it's not coming out. I'm not going to play it live, but I, but I, I love it. And it, I can't think of an unreleased one, but the first album, um, like nothing romantic was the first full length album. I just kind of ignore any kind of little EPs that came up before that. But um <laughs> So I think of that as my first album. I, it's weird. Like, I, you know, you, when you get distance from something, Sometimes you listen back. Sometimes you listen back and you go, ooh, ooh, I wish I didn't say that. That was cringy. And sometimes you listen back and you go, oh, okay. I some like I I had such a such a um I had a period of time like in the last year where I was just not writing much at all. I just like just wasn't inspired to write. And I was like, I maybe I don't know how to write anymore. <laughs> and I and I I was in the car with my husband and he put he just put nothing romantic on and I was like, oh, I knew I do know how to write. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I, could, I, I know how to write. So, but yeah, anyway, from that, I mean, I, I still think nothing, uh, You Don't Know Nothing is probably the best song I've, I've written. And it was, it was written, you know, at that time. So I, it's probably what's given me a hard time writing since, because I'm like, well, this isn't as good as that. <laughs> oh, the chorus just grabs you and. Somehow that came out and it was just like, oh, okay, this is like a cohesive, it's the only it's like a song that I wrote that was a cohesive story. It had like a good point. Like I was just, and I've just not been able to do that since. <laughs> not in that way. <laughs> I think, I think snow globe is really, you know, aged well. It's, it's the first track on your first album, but hopefully you still perform that one sometimes moment by moment. I do. So uh, snow globe is like, it's probably gotten the best response from other people out of anything I've ever written. And, and it wasn't necessarily my favorite that I wrote. It was, it's just, People relate to it, I think, for some mm-hmm. reason, but in different ways, you know. But, yeah. Well, all right, a couple silly questions here. Danielle, do you ever, are you ever sitting on hold? And we all know the hold music. Some Sometimes it's better than others. Sometimes you really get treated to some you know, jazzy sounds. Um, do, do you ever hear hold music and you're waiting for 17 minutes? And you just start tapping the foot and you start thinking, I, I could do something with this. If you start um, <laughs> thinking of, <laughs> has that ever happened? The answer is probably no, but I had to ask. 
I love that question. Uh, no, because I'm usually so angry that I'm on hold that I, I, the last thing on my mind is being creative. And usually it's like, and they never pick good music. It's always the most annoying music that there is. I don't know if they're trying to slowly torture you. I'm not sure why they do that, but it's um, like, I'd rather them just leave it quiet and every so often say, hey, we're still, you're still on hold. <laughs> your, call, your call is very important to us. Now back to music. Yeah. <laughs> I did hear some hold music the other day, and it was I was scratching my head. I was like, "What is happening here?" They, it, it was like Simple Man and Tuesday's Gone, and I'm thinking, oh, "Is wow. Leonard Skinner? Have they authorized this? Because this is, <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining. This is better than I usually hear. But what yeah, is not bad. the world coming to?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel, do you have? Are you an animal lover? Did yes. You grow up with dogs and cats and I grew up with cats. My mom was like a real cat. She's always been a real cat cat lady. You know, she's always been into cats. When we were when I was little, she used to take she would take in strays. She we, there's a couple times she'd taken a stray and then she had one she took in that like had eight babies and then we had to find homes for the eight the eight kids. Uh -huh. <laughs> we kept one of them who was Mickey and then he was like this real like he was just this rough and tumble, like just would go out and come back like after having fights he was like he was just like this little mean spirited sometimes he was just um so we always had yeah we always had cats when i was a kid and then i kind of developed an allergy like when i didn't have one for when i moved out of my my mom's house and you know i realized oh i ha i'm actually allergic to cats <laughs> so i didn't have cats for years and then my husband and i just were both kind of allergic but we were just like all right, let's just do it. Let's get it. <laughs> so, so we're just, we're not like so severely allergic that we, we can't handle it. We're getting used to it. But we, we got, we got our cat Lucy like a little over a year ago. And I mean, we're like, we're kind of ridiculous cat owners. We love her so much. We, she had a lot of like issues uh, when we got her, like we had to get all our teeth removed and she had like so many health issues and now oh, she's wow. doing well. We're, we're like, yeah, we're kind of silly about how into her we are but yeah the answer is short answer is yes <laughs> yeah we have three cats there's the my 10 year old cat and then we have two kittens that we adopted a few months ago and oh uh, the... how did she take to the kittens was she okay with that uh she's not she's far from okay and uh she's pretty pretty brutal with them i would say in the opening weeks but um she i think she's realizing okay they're not going anywhere so maybe I think and they've worn her out too. I mean, they're counterattacks. I mean, she used to go up and um, go after them when they were sleeping, and um, and really stir them up. And then I'd hear all this <laughs> commotion. But now they they I think they've put a good licking on her uh, once or twice. So she, she it's two sisters, um, the kittens that we got from the same litter. But, yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to say about cats, I'm guilty of this. This is with especially my older cat. She she's been with me since before my wife, the kids, and so she looks at me every time I come home like, Oh, you're back. Oh, I'm so happy. I could not be happier. <laughs> oh, pay attention to me. Why aren't you looking yeah. at me? Why aren't you awake yet? Uh, yeah. And, and let me lay on top of your head and let me climb down your throat. It's just, she still does all that stuff. And there's, you know, you just get busy. You're occupied with a lot of stuff. And my question, this is so long-winded, but I was going to ask, do you ever look at your animal, your cat, and and realize, oh, it's been a week since I've actually looked at you and pet, not pet you, but just 
put my project, my email, my stuff aside and just uh, spent some time. No, Maybe I you're probably better more than like, well, no, no, I think more like, oh God, I have to get some steps done. I'm just sitting here with the cat on. <laughs> probably the opposite. I'm like, all right, you've been laying on my chest for uh, the last hour and a half. I think I need to get up and get some yeah. stuff done. <laughs> but, I mean, I like, I prioritize her probably to a fault at this point. Um, but uh yeah i do feel bad like when i if i you know if i go away or you know we have really good neighbors downstairs who also have cats who who know how to take care of cats so and they'll come up like three times a day when if we go away and ask ask them to to take care of her so we're we're really lucky we have we have like really good neighbors <laughs> but uh but yeah so then i that's when i feel guilty you know when i'm when we're somewhere else i'm like oh god she's all alone right now even though she's probably like cool i got the house to myself <laughs> oh yeah cats are good if you got to go places i think it's the two or three night rule they, they're okay for a little stretch their dogs not so much but no i would feel so bad leaving a dog oh yeah um okay i i got other silly questions but um i don't want to take up too much more of your time here <laughs> Um, well, one more, ahead, I guess. Do you do you have yeah. a do you and Tom have a pop up toaster or do you have the toaster oven? And you're gonna be thinking, what in the <laughs> world is this? Um, we don't have a toaster oven. We have a regular toaster. Oh, and, there goes um, my question. Oh, was it was what was I your was toaster oven? Ask because we have a toaster oven and there's different settings. There's of course uh, toast and then there's bake and I think yeah. a, a broil maybe. Have you ever, someone else has used it before you and you put a piece of toast or bagel in there and it comes out floppy and you're like, what is happening? It's because you didn't change the setting. I don't, not that, that I can remember. I, I did have a toaster oven at one point, but I don't remember if that happened. I know that one time I, we had this like combo uh, regular toaster, a toaster oven. It had like the top slots, but then it also could be a toaster oven. And when we were in an apartment in Somerville, a few years back and we had a bad mouse problem. I remember taking that out and a mouse flew out of the <laughs> slot. <laughs> and it took me wow. a while to want to have a toaster after that. <laughs> I've spent all this time talking about these silly questions. Um, anything you want to say about the Boston area, the New England area, your favorite season, some things that you and Tom like to do together um, when you're not performing? We are, we have motorcycles. Um, he, he rides his more than I ride mine. I have, I have like a little Honda Rebel 250 that I, I just learned to ride like a couple of years, a year, a year or two ago. And this was the first season that I actually started riding it very much, but mostly I hop on the back of his bike. He, you know, he's got, he got a Harley cruiser this year, uh, like a road glide. And so we love just riding out to different parts of the state and, sometimes up to New Hampshire and just finding little towns and, and just riding the roads around there and stopping in a little town and going into the shops and, you know, having, having some lunch. And it's like our favorite thing to do that's outside of uh, playing music. That's wonderful. I, I just love, I love the story going back to the record. And uh, again, everybody, please make sure, and I'll, I'll plug this as well, Danielle, but bright shining stars, you're paying homage to your heroes. But Danielle, anywhere else that you're going to be in the new year uh, that's not listed so far or that you that you want to um, promote? Just the next Glory Junkie show is 
it's in it's March 7th in Maynard, uh, Massachusetts. It's called the Sanctuary. So that's that's our next show as a band, the Glory Junkies. Um, so that's the only thing on that list that was like it's like a, the other project that <laughs> that I'm involved in that that uh, so that's the other gig there. And there's a, there's a bunch of stuff and there'll there'll be more if you DanielleM.com is the website and that's like the that's kind of good catch all for wherever you like to get your info. It's got all the different social media links and all that and all the shows listed so okay danielle m folks if you can spell danielle you're almost all the way there just throwing the yep. letter m <laughs> at the end that's it what a great donate name to I snag got lucky. i got it early on got it my mom was hip with uh hip with how to do that stuff back in the day so i got my daniellem.com real early on yep <laughs> download these albums this is coming out a few weeks ahead of christmas folks if you're having people at your house around the holidays play the new one but you know jump around uh play the glory junkies the solo album or the full band nothing romantic try out these tracks with your friends and family you're gonna love them i've been driving around listening to these songs for the past couple weeks again the influences you'll hear some of them but daniel's got her own style so if you already like uh, lucinda williams janice joplin bonnie Raitt, and uh Bob Dylan. We didn't get into much of that either, but you're going to love this stuff. I'm so happy to, happy to promote your music, Danielle, and, and thank you again for making a, a good chunk of time here with me today. Well, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it was fun. It was easy. It went by really fast. And Dan, thank you so much. First of all, thanks for having me, but also thanks for like really like listening to the stuff and, and doing the research and just knowing what you're talking about when you <laughs> I really yeah. appreciate it. It was it made it a pleasure and easy to talk about stuff because you you're not just asking like, you know, these like sort of vague questions. Like you're you're really getting into the details of things and, and you're great at this. Thanks for thank you. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Well thank you, Danielle. Like we were saying, I think before we started the episode, people may think that I just have anybody on the show who says, Oh sure, I'll do it. But I I really seek out Folks, uh, performers, creatives that are doing stuff, and like you, Daniel, going on 20 years or over 20 years performing, and you know, I do try to come in come in prepared, so that this will be entertaining for the the end time listeners. So uh, it's Danielle time today. It's been a, a a true pleasure. Maybe later in the year, later in the new year, we can reconnect and talk about the new material. Would love that. Okay, well, folks, that's it for this episode of Dan Time. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, just like the title track on Bright Shining Stars, that's you. That really, that could be you. You've got a chance, however small, to make a difference. The world needs more Bright Shining Stars. And, you know, I mean, superheroes, you can be a superhero in your own department. Uh <laughs> You're going to love the record. Have a great rest of the year, Danielle. Happy holidays to you and be safe. You too. Can't Thank wait. you so much, Dan. All right. If you love that episode, if you're enjoying the Dan Time podcast, be sure to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can reach me at dantimepod at gmail.com. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.